You're listening to the Nutrition by Lex podcast with Alexis Roberts, a dietetic graduate student and soon-to-be registered dietitian. What's up, y'all? It's Lex, and I just wanted to pop on here to say I am so, so sorry, and I apologize so much for the lag and technical difficulties that we had in this episode. I edited it as much as possible, and you can hear Kate's voice pretty clear. My mic is not very good. It's kind of crappy, but you can hear me some and I edited out as much of the lags as I could as possible, but you get the majority of the information that we talked about through Kate's mic and she has such amazing tips and tricks and everything. So I just wanted to come on here and preference all of the lagging and technical difficulties. I promise I'm going to try to get it fixed for my next interview, but bear with me and thank you for being here again this week. Thank you for like reaching out to me and wanting to do this episode. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. My listeners are really going to enjoy this topic. Yeah, no, I I'm excited. I think sleep is just such an important part of honestly, everything we do. And a lot of the goals that people are trying to achieve, they don't even think about their sleep. Um, they really only think about it when they're tired, but I find most people don't really do anything about it. They're just like, well, I'm always tired. And they just know exactly. The whole sleep with, I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality is like, mm-hmm. especially for my group that are like, work now, you can sleep later in life. And it's like, it's only going to hurt you in the long run. And I talk about sleep so much in every single one of my episodes, but I never actually focus on sleep itself. I just say how important it is and stuff, but I don't actually go into explaining why it's so important and the process of like your circadian rhythm and your internal clock and things along those lines. So that's why whenever you reached out, I was like, this is perfect. My listeners need to know this because I talk about it all the time. They need to know why I talk about it all the time. No, exactly. I feel the same way. So why don't we just start by you introducing yourself to everyone. Okay. um, Telling people who you are and what you do and all that jazz. Okay, perfect. Um, I am Kate Turner. I work as uh, the registered dietitian or nutritionist, however you want to put it, for Nordic Naturals. Um, I do a variety of stuff for them, whether it's, you know, educating some of our employees, educating our consumers. And, you know, my personal goal is really just to make people healthier. And as a company, that's our goal as well. And sleep is a big factor in that, which I know is what we're going to talk about today. So I'm excited to dive in. Yes. Well, like I said, thank you for being here. And I've kind of just jotted up a couple little guidelines since to kind of go down and ask you questions. And I figured like, once we start on one thing, we'll kind of go off on a tangent and somehow how I <laughs> doing conversations. So the first thing I just kind of want to like start on is pretty much why is sleep so important? Um, just to give everyone like the basics of it and then we'll go deeper into like the science of it. Yeah. So overall, really why sleep is important. It's time for our bodies to recharge. It's also time to give our brain a rest. So a lot of our learning and memory happens when we sleep. And then one of the biggest things that most people don't realize is it's so important for hormone production and Hormones, if you don't know too much about them, they really can dictate our lives. And we'll talk about that too and how that affects sleep. But it's really a time where our hormones can be active, but then also get some rest, um, which is going to play into a lot of other factors in our life. Yeah, I love that. 
I've talked about hormones on this podcast a couple times now with a couple other guests and I learn something new every single time I talk to someone different and mm-hmm. I've always heard that like memory and learning and stuff is maximized during sleep I guess that's used to be a thing with my parents they used to always tell me to like go sleep with my textbook or something <laughs> like just because like they've always heard to like read right before you're going to bed mm-hmm. things like that I know everyone's heard that but I don't know if anyone's ever realized that like that's actually a thing it's not just things that your parents and professors tell you to do because they want you to read the material like it's actually a thing where you process the information you just absorbed while you're sleeping way better than you would if you were to read it and then move on to something else and go like I don't know hang out with your friends or something like you're just going to completely not even think about it and it's going to go out the other ear pretty much. Yeah. And it's interesting too. We do a lot of emotional processing while we're sleeping as well. So if you've ever had those times where it's like you wake up and you have, you know, things just come together, you have that aha moment. Uh-huh. A lot of the times it's because you're getting good quality sleep that your body's able to process, you know, whether it's, you know, your emotions or like we were just talking about your intelligence and memory, but it's really just a great time to give our brain a rest too and conserve some energy as well. That's so interesting. I never thought of it that sense for the whole aha moments because Mm -hmm. I'm one of the people that I like rack my brain at night when I'm before I'm going to sleep or like I'll wake up in the middle of the night because I had a business idea or something like that. Like I was one of those people that used to, well, I still am, I guess I sleep with like a journal on my bedside or like at the bottom of my bedside. So if I wake up and like, I have like some type of idea for nutrition by Lex or a podcast episode or something like that, I jot it down. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to forget it by the time I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. So That's like, great. I have like little light bulbs in the middle of the night and I'll like roll over and I think about it and I'm like, I'm too tired to write it down. But then I'm like, Oh no, I really don't want to forget that idea because it's really good. So then like I'll write it down and stuff. And then, then I'll process it later in the day when I can like actually wake up and think about and, it. And the great thing is that that's a sign that you're getting good quality sleep because oftentimes we're really just focusing on the hours, you know? So ideally you want to be sleeping between seven to nine hours is what the current research says. So people will just focus on that number. It's like, oh, you know, I woke up for a few hours, but then I got, you know, a few hours after that. So yeah, it totaled out to eight hours. So I'm good. (laughs) But it's really more so, you know, we say it a lot, but quality over quantity And it's really about the quality of sleep. And I don't think people realize when we go through, you know, our stages of sleep. So people can say there's four to five stages. I like to go by four. Um, But your first two stages, your first one is really when you're still kind of awake. Um, Really, like if someone called your cell phone, you could pick up an answer. Yeah, Exactly. And then stage two is when you're starting to really prepare for that deep sleep, which is then stage three, which is really important because that's where we, it's like our restoration time. This is also when we build up our immunity. And then stage four is that REM or rapid eye movement sleep where we dream. And that's another part of deep sleep. But people don't realize that we go through this cycle about four to five times when we're sleeping. So that one time, Alexis, when your light bulb went off, you probably were circling back to stage one or stage two. You know what I mean? After you had your deep sleep and you did all that emotional processing, then you come back to it. But 
when we talk about quality of sleep, I think one thing that's really important is I know a lot of people and I have a lot of personal clients too that they go to bed at midnight. Some go to bed later than that. And they're like, well, it's fine because now with COVID, I don't have to wake up as early. But right. what people don't everyone's working from home. Exactly. So they're like, I can sleep in later. No problem. I'm still getting that eight hours. You know, I'm checking that box. But what people yeah. don't realize is that important stage three where we are, it's kind of that rest and restoration and building up our immunity, which is very important right now. Yeah. You spend the most time in stage three from the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Interesting. So that's okay, why, gonna... yeah. And I don't know if you've read and, you know, some research will say if going to bed after 10 PM can affect your sleep. And that's really why they're saying that because you have yeah. less time in that stage three and that like restoration period. So that's where the whole quality of sleep comes in. So even if you're getting the right amount of hours, it's so important that you try to be in bed either before 10 or pretty close after it, or even if you just start your nighttime routine at 10 PM and getting into bed. Right. Okay. That's awesome. That's really good to hear because I have for me personally, I don't know about everyone listening, but I have the whole bedtime reminder thing set mm-hmm. on my phone and I, it always goes off for a reminder at nine 45 and that's when I like, okay, I need to start doing my skincare, like my nighttime routine. And then I'm like, hope to be in bed asleep by 10 30. Like that's my goal. Does it happen all the time? Probably not. There are things like social media, TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram. <laughs> um, and that's all, going into the next thing that I also want to talk about with like social media and things like that is the melatonin and cortisol levels. Yeah. And how blue light affects mm-hmm. that and everything. Because um, I know that's a huge, huge. Thing. Seeing that blue light is going to keep your cortisol levels high. And even if your melatonin levels are high because it's dark outside, it's still going to be overpowered by that cortisol, which is going to be keeping you awake pretty much. Yeah. And, um, and no too, Alexis, like even with your melatonin levels, melatonin is really just dictated by light in general. Blue light is right. the worst or affects yeah. it the most, but even if it's dark outside, yep. Even if it's dark outside, as long as there's light, whether it's coming from your TV, a lamp, I mean, we do better with warmer lights, but it's still affecting your melatonin levels. Um, so it's really important. I know you just showed me your blue light glasses and I love that yeah. because I wear them at night and I have noticed there are times where like, I just forget to put them on if we're like, well, you know, watching TV um, at the end of the night. And I notice a huge difference. I don't feel as tired for bed, but when I wear them, I'm like ready to go to sleep by, you know, 9.30, 10 p.m. Um, but it's really yeah. important to have that natural melatonin secretion increase before bed. But I also know a lot of people where putting their phone down before bed is just not an option. And yeah. if they're not using blue light glasses, which not everyone can and not everyone will, it's just trying to get you, you know, ideally you want to have no blue light one to two hours before bed. Most people aren't doing that. So if you can get people to do 15 to 30 minutes and, you know, build in, okay, let's, like you said, you set an alarm for yourself. Let me do my nighttime routine. You know, maybe it's washing your face or reading a chapter or two before you go to bed or journaling your thoughts, which is actually the best time to journal is before bed. Because then when you do that emotional processing, you're thinking about what you're grateful for. Um, But 
it's just getting people to a place where like a little bit less, a little bit less blue light and uh, getting them to a point where they can have that natural increase in melatonin. And then the final option too is taking a melatonin supplement um, if that's just not an option for you. And I know some very busy people who have very demanding jobs and then they have children at home and sometimes they have to be working later. And that's not an option. And a melatonin supplement, as long as you're getting it from a reputable company, um, is another great option too. You just want to know how to dose it and things like that. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, no, I love that you mentioned like all the different lights and stuff. Cause Mm -hmm. I think for me personally, when I, like before I really started like getting into like health and stuff, I would always associate blue light with a computer screen, an iPad screen, a phone screen. I never once thought twice about a TV screen, even though that's all it is. Yeah. Like it's just, it's been around us for so long that we don't realize it as being something that can harm our sleep. Cause what do most families do before they go to bed? At least my family, mm-hmm. we grew up watching movies before we went to bed, sitting around the TV screen. Um, and then now I love that the iPhone and stuff has that feature where you can like turn your brightness down, but you can also put it on night mode. So it's the, it's more of like a warm orangey yep. light versus the blue. Um, so I've been trying to do that too. And Alexis, you can do that on your TV. If you go in, yeah, if you go into the settings, well, most TVs, I I can't say all most TVs and then also your laptop as well. You can go into the settings and increase the warmness. So you could just do it, you know, before bed or then some, you can set it like a timer, how, you know, the iPhone will let you do that. Um, or your laptop will. Yeah. So I don't know why this just pops into my head, but that's so interesting to me about like the iPad, because I think iPads can do it too, but um, like the laptops and stuff, but I've seen videos of like babies that, you know, like when parents give babies like the iPads mm-hmm. and stuff and they take the iPad away and the baby pitches a fit and stuff. And then it's like the lights automatically back in their face and then they're calm. It's like, what is your opinion on that too? Because I just feel like us talking about like all the different like tablets and things with the lights. And I don't know what made me think of that video, but it was interesting to me because I didn't know if maybe that was the blue light or if you think that's just like the technology and distraction of the baby and things like that. You know, I can't say for sure. uh, Science wise, I haven't seen any research on it for me, just knowing, you know, having nieces and nephews, I think they're more so missing their, their their YouTube channel or whatever they were watching, but let's think about, okay, babies are, you know, and younger kids are using iPads and all these things. And if you don't have the warmness levels turned up or, you know, they don't have their own little blue light blocking glasses, think about what's happening to their melatonin. And that may be a reason if you find your child is waking up in the middle of the night or it's taking them a really long time to go to bed, that can be a reason. It's just like us, right? It, It still works the same way in our bodies. And honestly, kids oftentimes are more affected by things. Um, but I can't say for sure in terms of, I haven't seen too much research on kids in blue light, but it's, it's the same way, you know, we all, it's working the same way. It's still affecting Mm -hmm. those melatonin levels. So since you did bring up the whole supplementation and stuff, what is your recommend recommendation with that? I know you mentioned if you're like a parent and you have to stay up late, um, how much should people be taking? What's your favorite brand? It's interesting in terms of supplementation to help sleep. um, There's different things you can do, but one thing I found interesting, studies have shown that some, there are some nutrient deficiencies that can affect, 
affect your sleep duration. So how long you're staying asleep. And one of them is vitamin D, which is also really important for our immune health. So, and so many people are deficient uh-huh. in it. I, I recommend everyone no matter what. Completely agree. I've been deficient I every day. Um, yeah, you know, it, it shows people that vitamin D really is linked to everything. So vitamin D is one of them. Vitamin E is another one. So having a deficiency in vitamin E, vitamin C, um, which is important too. you know, I think a lot of people think they're eating food wise, you're going to get a lot of vitamin C from fruits and vegetables. But I find people think they're always eating more fruits and vegetables than they actually are. So Sometimes taking a vitamin C supplement or even having your kids take it if they're really picky eaters is another great one. And then magnesium is another um, nutrient deficiency that can affect your sleep duration. But what I personally also love magnesium for in terms of going to bed is it's a natural muscle relaxer. So I take it. Yeah. So I take it. It's part of my bedtime routine. I take it every night. And what I love is it just helps relax you and prepares your body for bed. So I'll take it, you know, one to two hours before bedtime, which is also an ideal time to take melatonin if you're taking it. So you can take them at the same time. Um, Magnesium wise, I will say it's important to take an easily absorbed form. That's also not going to give you any GI reaction since some forms can do that. So, um, I typically re- recommend magnesium glycinate, um, at Nordic naturals. We have a magnesium complex. That's the one I take and I love it. Um, I also love that it's chelated. So you want to look for a chelated form of magnesium, which is going to be more easily absorbed. Um, and it isn't going to get kind of destroyed in your digestive system. Um, so those are ones that I think people need to look out for. And also I always encourage people when you are getting your blood work done at the doctor's office, like add vitamin D to that panel, add certain nutrients that, you know, you want to see if you're deficient in them because they won't, they won't automatically do that. If you see functional MD, maybe, um, but typically they won't add that on. And then, you know, if you're looking to take melatonin, it's really important that you know how to dose melatonin. So if you've never taken it before, I would start off with one, about one milligram um, and work your way up by a half a dose. If it's like, if you take one milligram and you find like, "Mm, that really didn't do anything for me, then increase it to one and a half milligrams. And you can also like, you know, you can cut any of the dosing in half usually and it's fine. Um, but then work your way up because what can happen is if you take too much melatonin, it's probably, it, to me, it's like the worst thing that could happen. You are exhausted, but you can't fall asleep. It has the opposite effect. So when you're taking too much melatonin, you're in this state of I'm completely exhausted, but my body will not let me go to sleep or, okay, we are back. Oh my gosh. This has really been a struggle with technology today. So the last thing I heard you mention was melatonin. Yep. So when you're dosing melatonin, you really want to make sure you're not taking too much melatonin because what can happen is the next day you can be really groggy or you're up in the middle of the night, you're exhausted and you cannot fall asleep. So you want to start at whether you start at a half a milligram or one milligram, and then 
keep going up by a half a dose until you kind of hit that sweet spot where you're sleeping better and you're waking up and feeling rested. Um, but that's a great indicator. If you're feeling any type of groggy the next morning, take it down, but always start lower and increase, you know, increase by a half a milligram from there. Okay. So as I was trying to say, I love the recommendation that you gave for going up the half a milligram and stuff, because obviously things affect people differently. Um, so figure out what works best for you. Also going back to the vitamin recommendations that you're, I'm just going to touch on everything that you said in yeah. the last couple of minutes. Um, I love that you recommended vitamin C and magnesium. One thing about vitamin C that I don't think a lot of people realize is they think they're eating all of these fruits and vegetables and, um, drinking orange juice and stuff. But what they don't realize is that vitamin C is very heat, um, sensitive and light sensitive. So every single time you cook the vegetables, the vitamin C levels are going down, but like the jumps of, or of orange juice, if it's clear, it's light sensitive. So it's being exposed to light every time you're, uh, um, refrigerator door or pouring it into a glass and stuff. So what I like to recommend to my is to get those single serving aluminum can vitamin C's um, and drink the or orange juice, not vitamin C and drink those in the morning versus getting the big jug because you're going to get way more of the actual amount of vitamin C. Um, and then going to magnesium, I take it the same reason you do. I had really bad restless legs when I first started running and Oh, like I would be up all night, like crying almost and like beating at my legs. And I discovered magnesium and oh my gosh, it saved my life. Like I could finally get a full, full rest of sleep because I was able to like actually go through the night without having cramps and my legs just like aching so bad. So 100% agree with all of those um, recommendations. Another thing about melatonin is, I don't know if you've heard people tell you this, I've experienced it myself even is that melatonin gives you crazy dreams. What is yep. your thoughts on that? Okay, so that's, that's another indicator, Alexis, that you're taking too much. Okay, there we go. So if you have either really vivid dreams or nightmares even, that's another yeah. indicator that you're taking too much. So okay, I want people to think about too when you're taking melatonin. So first to try all the other things we're talking about, right? You know, if you find your okay. phone is right next to you before bed, also, you know, do everything in conjunction with it. Um, but you only want to take a little bit, you know, we all think, oh, well, if I take more, I'm going to sleep better. Well, no, you have to work with your body because we naturally produce melatonin. So it can be really easy to over, you know, to have too much if we're producing it and you're taking, um, some melatonin on top of it. So that's why I always say, try and start with half a milligram or one milligram and then go up from there by a half a dose until you find that sweet spot. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention about magnesium when you were talking about another great benefit before you go to bed is they found that magnesium also helps calm your mind. So when we were talking about earlier how, which we all do it, right? You know, if if your mind is still going before bedtime, you can be up for a while just thinking about your to-do list for the next day, or if you have a really busy week, you know, what's, you know, what's going on or any type of stress. So that's another reason why I love magnesium is it's also been shown to help calm your mind before bed as well. 1000%. Like magnesium literally has changed my life when it comes to like anything sleep related. Yeah. Um, 
it's such an underrated vitamin. Like people don't realize. It's so underrated even right now, which you know what we can tie into sleep because it's connected Mm -hmm. is. So when our stress levels are increased, we excrete more magnesium. So we usually become more depleted, right? Or more deficient in magnesium when we have higher stress levels. Well, it's a vicious cycle between magnesium and stress, but also between stress and sleep. Because if you're getting poor sleep, we were talking about cortisol earlier. If you're getting poor sleep, typically your cortisol is at its lowest when you're sleeping. But if you're getting poor sleep, your cortisol is going to bump up, which then what that does is when you have a stressful situation or you're presented with stress, your reaction to stress increases or worsens. And then when you're you know, your reaction to stress is worse, that affects your sleep quality. So it becomes this cycle where if we can use, you know, magnesium, for instance, to help with our sleeping habits, and then also use it to help, you know, replenish the magnesium that's lost if our stress is increased, which I think right now, almost everyone's stress is increased. Oh yeah, you know that's a win-win with you know just using magnesium. So that's another reason why I love it because people don't you know people don't realize the connection between you know stress and sleep, and we can think you know we do, but magnesium is another great one again for just kind of calming the mind and helping to break that stress sleep cycle. No, I love that. That's something a lot of people just genuinely don't understand or have never been told. And told all the listeners that because I think that's something that everyone needs to know. So thank you for telling me. Maybe I'm taking too much. I haven't taken <laughs> in years because of the dream you give me. It like scared me out of it. Like I refuse to take. I'm like I'm gonna have a dream that I'm like murdering someone. Like it's crazy. And it's like I don't understand where it comes from. And then I, maybe whatever I was taking, whatever I was taking it was way too high. So. I'll start at like one next time I try. Yeah, you can start at one or even what I love. And we did a video on it, Alexis. But so we sell melatonin gummies. And what right. I love is you can um, cut them in half even because it's a gummy. Oh, so even if you want to take, you know, you can really dictate how much you want to take. And they also are delicious. But so you remember <laughs> to take it because that's another part too to like, you know, adding in any supplement into your diet, half the battle is remembering to take it. So that's where creating again, like this nighttime routine. So for me, I always have my magnesium sits right on top of my journal and I put it on our coffee table by the TV because most nights I am watching like a show with my husband before going to bed. And that's where it reminds me. And I have my blue light glasses actually right on top of my journal as well. And that's like my little nighttime routine that I know I have to take. And then before going to bed, yeah, I wash my face, um, journal, you know, right before going to sleep. And it does, it's just, I'm a very type A person. So my mind is running at all times, but I feel like most people in our field is very type A. (laughs) Yeah. Dietitians are known to be very type A. Um, we're not always loved for that, but I do find adding in that nighttime routine because I haven't always had it. Oh, I sleep way better now um, than I ever used to. Yeah, I, awesome. That sounds amazing because I, I'm very good about my morning routine. I'm mm-hmm. I like 
live by. I wake up joyful because like I want to do my morning routine. That's how much I love it. I have a harder time sticking to a nighttime routine. And I don't know if that's just because I don't feel like doing it. The only thing I can like actually stick to at the moment is like my skincare and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll be so back and forth between journaling, meditating, stretching, even because I don't stretch enough when I'm at the gym. I just know I need to. Um, So like I've, when I'm in like a good mood and I'm like very motivated, I'll obviously do my skincare before and then I'll come into my room and I have like a salt lamp in my room. And that's normally yeah. the only light that, I, yeah, that's only the light, like dim light that I have in my room at night. And I do that all the time anyways, just cause I love salt lamps and the way they look. Um, but I used to try it. Well, I will continue to try. Um, it's not working too great right now, but I love to do like stretching for 10 minutes and then even just like sitting and meditating for like three minutes. Like that helps more than like in nothing. Um, so many people think that you have to meditate for like an hour for it to be worth it. And it's like, no, no, um, not at all. I, I never meditate yeah. more than 10 minutes and it's so hard to, and yeah. yeah, you know, who has the time, but yeah. I'm telling you, you meditate for yeah, two or three minutes and you'll feel worlds better if you really are sitting there present. Right. And then I, I've tried to do journaling at night, but I also like to journal in the morning and like set my day and like start off with like morning affirmations and things like that. So I feel like it almost is hard for me in my brain to make myself journal again at night. I might need to switch those, but it's something that I've been implementing into my routine. I'm trying to get back on track with the stretching and meditating and stuff at night because I do find that it helps me so much to sit in like my dark, dim lit room. And if I could stay off my phone, that's the best. Yeah, no, I know it's tough. And, you know, little tips that I found is, I don't know if you read um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habit, but he taught, it's a, it's a great book all about um, how to build habits and keep them. But one thing he talks a lot about is habit stacking. So it's basically taking a new habit that you want to do and pairing it with a habit that you already consistently have. So let's say, Alexis, it's like brushing your teeth before bed. You're like, okay, I always do that. Well, then it's like, okay, after I brush my teeth or before I brush my teeth, I have to stretch for five minutes. And, you know, just picking one habit to work on versus, okay, I'm trying to work on all three of these habits right now. And just picking one and then pairing it with a habit that you already have. Oh, okay. That's so smart. I've never thought about doing that to associate it with like brushing my teeth or something. Cause like, that's just something I always do. So that makes sense. Cause exactly. then it would just myself. Or if I'm someone, all- if someone decides to get blue light, you know, they've heard this and they're like, Oh, I need to get blue light blocking glasses. Well, first, like put it where it's visible, you know, if yeah. put it by your TV or your computer or wherever you're typically, you know, using blue light at night Yeah, and start the habit of, okay, before I turn on the TV for the evening, I have to put on my blue light glasses and it'll take yeah. time, you know, in building that habit, but make it easier on yourself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I love that idea. Like I, for me personally, whenever I like, I stack my computer and my iPad on my desk charging and my blue light glasses sit on top of that. Perfect. I live on my laptop pretty much. Like my clients are on my laptop, my school's on my laptop, my website, everything sometimes, but I wear them most of the day normally, but they're just like a habit to wear all day. Um, But I really like that associating it with like brushing my teeth or something, because I mean, that's a brainless task that I do every day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, other habits I was just thinking of too, that 
you know, and some people may hate me for saying this, but we have to talk about alcohol and caffeine because they oh, yeah. play a big part in your quality oh, of sleep. Um, so I don't know which, which one do you want to tackle? Should we tackle first? Let's do caffeine first since you do that first in the day. Okay. Perfect. So, and I may have, you know, a lot of people hate me after saying this, but ideally you want to stop your caffeine consumption around noon at the latest 2 PM, because basically what happens is even though, you know, you're thinking, okay, I haven't had caffeine for hours before I go to bed. It's still in your system. So really watching that. And then also watching how much caffeine you're having, even if you're stopping at two o'clock, if you're having two venti coffees before 2 PM, not so great, but easy things you can do. A lot of the times people are drinking coffee for the flavor and just to have like that warm beverage, especially as it's getting chillier now. And, you know, I have a lot of clients do half decaf, half regular, and they slowly, yeah, they slowly can adjust. And then honestly, most of them end up doing just decaf in the end. If you are looking to have a warm beverage after 2 p.m., you can most certainly do decaf coffee. I will suggest though that you get a decaf coffee that uses the Swiss method, which gets out 99.9 is what they say, percent of decaf out because most decaf coffees still have caffeine in them. And you can even feel that, like you can feel the caffeine when you have it. Um, But doing that or an herbal tea is great. So even if you want something before bed, um, which like a chamomile is great too before bed to also help kind of prepare you. Again, that can be part of your nighttime routine. For me personally, I am into this decaf chai tea right now. And it, you know, it's just another part of like getting yourself ready for bed, but really try and stop caffeine before. Yeah. I do the herbal, the sleepy time tea. Um, I don't do it as I'm just now getting back into it. Cause it's starting to get cooler outside, but I find that I love it in the winter months because I get cold so easy. And so by drinking like a hot tea before going to bed, I feel like that, I don't know, just on the inside, but I have a problem with coffee and like, you can tell me I have a problem. <laughs> I, everyone who knows, me knows I have a problem with coffee and it's exactly for what you said. I love the taste of coffee. Like I drink my coffee black. If I go to Starbucks, normally I get like a like Americano with almond milk or almond milk. Well, I mean, now today I just went and got like a festive drink because like they have their holiday drinks out. So because I just sip on it all day. Sorry about the technical difficulty. <laughs> I try to edit it out as much as possible. But I could like drink a whole pack. I just love coffee. I don't know why. Um, but that's something that probably 100% affects my sleep. Yeah. Well, and that too, Alexis, your hydration. You know, when you're drinking caffeine too, it decreases your hydration. You know, they say, you know, your first cup of coffee can hydrate you a bit. I find for most people it doesn't because we're also drinking such strong coffee now. But if you can, yeah, try and make your coffee decaf. You know, maybe the first one you have, you have caffeine, but then after that you make a pot of decaf, Um, especially if you find you're just really loving the flavor and the taste of it. There are some great decaf coffees yeah. out there. I need to find that because I do, I'll give it to myself. I make sure I drink like a whole tumbler of water before I have my first cup of coffee. That's great. I do know 
that I'm dehydrated when I wake up and that I need some sort of hydration before I throw on the caffeine and the coffee. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something that I need to make change. And everyone, I've, I've admitted it. Social media, I talk about it all the time. I'm a coffee addict. I know I am. It's my only fault. I like to say if I'm addicted to one thing in life and it's, and I'm okay with that. But yeah. <laughs> and well, and the good thing too, is when, you know, when you go to your Starbucks and things like that, you can get a decaf Americano, right? You can exactly. easily just say decaf. Um, and I would say for most of their drinks, you know, you yeah, can still they, do it. They, Yep, I'm, I know. And I, I will say their decaf still has some caffeine in it. So you'll still get a little bit of like your little buzz. Um, right. It won't be nearly as bad though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and for alcohol too, you know, it's, you really want to stop. You'll hear people say you want to stop two hours before bed, like before going to yeah. bed. I like to say before bedtime, like the time oh, yeah. that you're supposed to be going to bed. <laughs> So like if we're saying, you know, your sleep can be affected after 10 p.m. at night, trying to stop your alcohol consumption by 8 p.m. or earlier, um, really they found like the best time to have a drink is actually at like that happy hour time between a four and six because it gives your body time to, you know, you metabolize the alcohol and get it out because what happens is if you still have alcohol in your system and you go to sleep, your body can't dream. It's not going through that, that REM stage of sleep, that deep sleep there. And some people may say, well, I actually have like crazy dreams when I've had alcohol, you know, and what's actually happening there is your body's finally getting rid of the alcohol in your system. So it's trying to play catch up mode. And it's trying to get you that REM sleep, but usually you're getting it later. So let's say you typically wake up at 8 a.m. If you're getting that REM sleep later like that and your alarm goes off or you're woken up because it's light outside, and I'm sure we've all had this. I know I have where you wake up in the middle of a dream or you just had a really vivid dream and then you wake up, you feel groggy and you don't feel rested. So that's a big piece of having alcohol too late. And I know a lot of people, I mean, it's hard, you know, if you have your glass of wine sitting on your coffee table while you're watching a movie and you're just slowly sipping it, but really trying to think like, okay, my, you know, two hours before I go to bed, no more alcohol. And you'll find you're not going to wake up throughout the night as much, and you're going to get that deep restorative sleep. Um, what would you say to those people that say, oh, I have to have my night cla- my nightcap, my glass of wine. It helps me sleep better. I fall asleep easier. Yep. So alcohol won't affect you falling asleep. A lot of the times people fall asleep better, right? Or you pass out, but it's going to affect the quality. So what I would say to anyone who's like, you know what, I have to have my glass of wine like each night. That's totally fine. Let's just bump it up. Like if right now you're pouring it at nine o'clock and you're going to bed at 1030, that's not good because you're probably drinking it until about 930 or 10. So if you can bump it up and have it, whether it's just have it with dinner or when dinner ends, pour yourself a glass, which hopefully we're trying to end dinner you know, by 8 p.m., pour yourself a glass at 8, finish by 8.30, 
you know, hopefully in bed by 1030, but just being conscious of it. Because a lot of the time, like you were saying earlier, Alexis, sometimes people just don't know. And they're yeah. confused as to why they're waking up in the middle of the night. Or what I find is a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just a bad sleeper. And they just identify with that. And they don't realize there are little, little things they can do to change it and improve it. Yeah. 100. I'm, I've heard I'm just a bad sleeper my whole life. My mom claims she's a bad sleeper. Mm-hmm. So I've heard it life, or like I'm a light sleeper, which I'm a light sleeper. Like I... Like I'm very cautious, especially being in my apartment where I live alone. Mm-hmm. I sleep on here and think was that <laughs> I like pop up, but I I feel like that's almost I don't know. Cause my mom always blames it on me. She says she never for until she had a kid, and then she was a light because she had a kid in the house, which makes sense, I guess. You're like you're more like aware and you're like thinking about it, but I've heard that term my entire life. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, you know, that's with a lot of things, people just identify with themselves as something and don't realize, you know, they can make a change. And I always try and tell people too, like if their goal is, you know, weight loss or they're trying to improve their body composition, people don't realize that just sleeping better affects all those things because not having a good night's sleep can affect your metabolism. It also affects your hunger hormones because we were talking about how, you know, hormone production is big while we're sleeping the next day. And people may find this, um, the less you sleep or the worse quality your sleep is the next day, your hunger hormone ghrelin spikes. So the hormone that tells us we're hungry and then your satiety hormone or your, the hormone that tells you you're full leptin decreases. And they're also finding too that not only are, you know, your hunger is your hunger spiking and ghrelin spiking, but also the increase for like wanting, you know, highly palatable foods like salty, sweet, that's all increasing as well. And then this puts in your cycle, like say, you know, you got a bad night's sleep the next day, you're craving something sweet for breakfast. You have pancakes or I don't know, you have a donut with something anything sweet, well, the more sugar you eat, the more sugar you're going to crave. So then maybe that leads to having a sweet snack later in the day. And then that maybe that leads to dessert after dinner, like a, you know, a high sugar dessert. Well, sugar also is going to affect your sleep and having too much throughout the day, not just right before bed, but throughout the day is going to affect how you sleep. And that's where too with eating you want to stop of two hours before bed too. So when we were talking about alcohol, it's really like eating an alcohol. It's totally fine to have an after dinner snack. I mean, try to have a dinner where you really are satiated and full and that's going to satisfy you, but it's totally fine to have a snack afterwards, but really trying to stop eating two hours before bed. And it's great too. If you're right. trying to get to bed 10 PM, 1030. It's a great time to stop, you know, eating as well by 8 PM and stop any alcohol consumption by then too. Decent size dinner that's proportionate and proteins, carbs, and fats and everything. You shouldn't be that hungry after dinner. Your body should be satisfied. So just yourself properly throughout the day will definitely help with that as well. And not having those hunger and stuff. And even with like, um, your hydration and stuff, it might maybe you're not hydrating enough throughout the day and you just, that 
that's a cause for you to feel hungrier at night because sometimes we do confuse thirst with hunger. Um, so that's just a few little things I wanted to touch on off of that little topic. Um, other thing that I do want to talk about was sleep that I easily, so I tend to have my room warmer, which I've heard is not as good. You're supposed to sleep at cooler temperatures. Um, what about that? Do you, anything you have to say about that? Yeah. So you definitely want to sleep at cooler temperatures. I think right now the recommendation is between 62 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. That you definitely so cool. want a cool room. <laughs> you want a cool room. You want a dark room. So they yeah. say like, if you can see your hand in front of your face, your room isn't dark enough. Um, but also oh, wow. to that, you know, in that same regard as well, right now with daylight savings, it's lighter earlier, but that will change right. as the days get shorter. So for people who have to wake up early, or let's say, you know, you have a baby or small kids and they're waking up at 6am and it's still dark out, a way to not feel as groggy when you wake up is to increase the light, right? Because when we increase the light, okay. our melatonin production goes down, making us feel, and then our cortisol level goes up, helping us feel more alert and awake. So different things you can do for that. Um, you know, whether you get up out of bed, even if you're still feeling groggy and go to, um, if it's still dark out, then, you know, turning on the lights or even, I don't know if you've seen Alexis, like they have like the hatch lights where it's actually an alarm, but your alarm is the light starts to go on. I have seen that. And that's yeah. actually, it's one of the best ways to wake up. But if it is light outside, go by a window, open the blinds, get that light on you. And that's going to yeah. help you feel um, more awake. Yeah, so that's, that's exactly yeah. Like, Most of the time my alarm will go off and I won't get out of bed right when my alarm goes off because I'm like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll normally like text my mom and my boyfriend good morning or something that I'll lay my phone over. But then my blinds are like right behind where my bed are. So I'll reach up and open my blinds and then give it 10, 15 minutes. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to sleep. I'm like ready to get up and go. No, it's great because it really keeps our circadian rhythm, like our sleep wake cycle going. And it's really great right. for your kids too to have them like once it's light out, like have them play in the light, you know, by opening, like opening some blinds and letting that light in because yeah. it's going to help set their circadian rhythm as well. And same too with, you know, we were talking about screens earlier and kids they're watching, if they're watching TV right before bedtime, you may have trouble yeah. getting them to sleep or having them stay asleep. That's such a good point with like screen time that kids get nowadays mm -hmm. and like after school or after dinner and stuff, maybe move their screen time to like in the morning, um, like when they first wake up, okay, you can have an hour of screen time just to start your morning slow and then you get another hour in the afternoon or something, but like cut it off later in the afternoon. Don't do it as much at nighttime. Yeah. And that's like another great way. Cause some parents would be like, I mean, you know, my sister right now would be like, yeah, there's no way because that's when yeah. we eat dinner when she's in front of the TV and calm, that's true. but yeah. that's where changing the settings in your, you know, on your TV to increase the warmness or right. getting them little kid blue light blocking glasses. But if you are finding that you're having trouble with your kid falling asleep, um, or staying asleep, that can, and you find that they are watching, you know, an hour or two worth of TV yeah. or looking at some type of blue light before, 
you know, it's, it's worth a try. I feel like, you know, parents are trying everything. So. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And then, um, oh, there was something else that you mentioned. Oh, the coldness of the room. Mm-hmm. Okay. 62. That's really low. So 268. Me, so 68, you can be on that end. <laughs> 68 even lower. <laughs> I'm growing up in the South. Yeah. I have thin blood. Um, so I normally have mine set at like 70, 71, up to 73 sometimes now, even when it gets cold. And then I sleep with like sheets, a comforter and a weighted blanket. Like I'm toasty, but then I'll keep my fan on. Cause I'm like, okay, that cools it down a little bit, but I'm not feeling any of it underneath any of those blankets. Well, and that's where it may be worth a try. Alexis, like one night or as it gets cooler out, just test it out. And see- I feel like I'm going to turn it like my nose gets so cold and that's where if you're having you know if your sleep is good right now every yeah. that's the thing too it's like the research can tell us so much but you are, you know we can all tell ourselves what actually works for us and what doesn't right. um exactly but it is they do find it's better to sleep in a cooler environment yeah that was just kind of <laughs> time. I'm like I'm wearing a jacket outside when it's 62 degrees <laughs> I'm the worst when it comes to weather. I'm always cold. Yeah, um, no, I okay. feel that too. <laughs> so do you have any last tips or tricks for any of our listeners? Have we gone through everything that you wanted to talk about? Um, are there any like fun little things that you would, that you personally do or that you would just recommend to clients or anything that you normal people wouldn't think of that we haven't already talked about? Cause I feel like we've already gone through a lot of tricks and tips and stuff. Yeah, no, I feel like we've gone through everything I would want to touch on, but I really just want to encourage people again to yeah. create that nighttime routine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to get better on it with you guys. I'll do it with you. I'll yeah. start posting more about stories and maybe we can all start a habit. Yeah, no, I would love it. You know, I really only started mine, I would say, maybe a year or two ago. And I have seen such a drastic difference. So, you know, another tip too, that we didn't mention, but if you really find your mind is racing and you're stressed with work and, you know, you just have a lot of stressors going on and journaling is not your thing before bed, write your to-do list for the next day down, write everything that is in your head. And that's kind of the point too, of journaling before bed. Or one of the points is, is that you're getting it all out. So you're creating space to then be able to relax. And, um, that's another tip too, but yeah, really just trying to create that nighttime routine. If you find that you want to add in, you know, some supplements into that routine, we talked about magnesium, getting your vitamin D levels checked. Um, and then also melatonin can play a role as well but just remember to not take too much. Yeah. So just, you know, in incorporating different things into that nighttime routine, whether we're talking about reading, you know, a chapter in your book or always making it a point to wash your face, or you were talking about Alexis, like stretching, which is great, um, before bed. And then if you want to add in supplements, we talked about magnesium, which is a great body relaxer and also mind relaxer before, um, getting your vitamin D levels checked to make sure you're not deficient there. Um, and then also melatonin, which can help too. just make sure you're not taking too much and start your dosing low and slow, you know, understanding the supplement industry, 
make sure that you are getting from a reputable brand that has research behind their products. Um, they have a certificate of analysis. They have third-party testing. So you know you're getting a good quality supplement because there are there are a lot of supplements um, where the standards just aren't as high. And that's, you know, there's nothing worse than you buy a supplement to help you and it doesn't actually work in the way that it should. Okay. So um, how I like to end all of these podcasts is to pretty much ask all of my guests three questions um, just to kind of okay. get to know you. Yeah. Just kind of get to know you a little bit more and then I'll give you a chance to like plug yourself and I'll put all of your stuff in the description detailed as well. So my first question is what is your favorite food? Oh, favorite food. So I'm just going to say what immediately popped in my head. I'm, I love avocados. Oh yes. Uh, I probably eat about an avocado a day and I love all the benefits of it too. So I would have to say that is my favorite food. Uh, that's probably right up there with like, what's probably number three for me, honestly, top three. <laughs> I, I love all food, but like top three, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite form of exercise? Oh, good question. You know what? I love strength training. Yeah. I, yeah, I love strength training. I love that. Um, it really gives me a mental break and I love just feeling stronger and that's what it really does for me. Awesome. Yeah. No, I've just recently, like in the past year, finally gotten myself to start doing strength training because I was so intimidated by weights for the longest time. And I just find that like, I'm excited to go do it more than like going to make myself run on a treadmill. (laughs) I get so much more excited for like the change up of the workouts and stuff versus doing the same thing the entire time I'm there. So I can definitely relate to that one. Yeah. And you know, fun tidbit too. It'll increase your metabolism more than running on the treadmill. Oh yeah. Running on the treadmill will burn calories during running on the treadmill. Yeah. will burn calories during your training session and after. So exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then my last question is what motivates you? Um, I think really what, what motivates me every day. I mean, definitely whenever I get a chance to talk to people and educate them, whether it's family and friends or clients, or, um, I'm speaking to a larger group, but I really feed off, or even our conversation, I really feed off other people's energy and just getting to, share health knowledge and letting people feel empowered that, you know, if you started listening to this and you were one of those people that's like, I'm just a bad sleeper (laughs) that you can leave here being like, Oh, there are some little things I can do and can drastically change their life. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I love hearing people's why. So that's why I asked that question For for like, everyone that I've interviewed, which have been like quite a bit of people at this point, I think you're number 23, 24, maybe something like that. And it's just, everyone's so different of what their like why is and what motivates them. And I also get questions in my DMs all the time asking, how do you stay so motivated? What, What motivates you? And so I feel like it's just, I tell them my answer, but then now I'm giving them access to all of your answers as well. So I love it. Some other people. 
Um, so yeah, I just want to give you a chance to plug yourself, tell people where they can find you, your website, Instagram, anything like that. Yep. So, um, we are at Nordic naturals is our Instagram handle, Facebook, um, our website as well. And we've been putting out some really great videos, lots of recipe videos, um, and different health information and obviously information about our products too. Um, me personally, you can find me at Kate Turner RD on Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty much mainly on Instagram and on stories. So you can find me there. But um, yeah, no, it was so great getting a chance to talk to you, Alexis. I really enjoyed this. Yes, I did too. I even learned some stuff too. I always come out of these like interviews and I'm like, wow, I just learned something new. So that's another benefit of doing these. Uh, but thank you so much. And Sorry about all the technical difficulties. No worries. I'm going to try to edit it so it's as clean sounding as possible. Everyone listening, if there's some little bit of technical difficulties, apologies. Uh, The good good content is still there. (laughs) Yeah, we've been through it today. But I will make sure to link all of your things in the show notes as well so that people can just click and go straight to your account. Um, But thank you so much for doing this. I really thank you. Yeah. Um, And for everyone listening, I will talk to you all again next Wednesday. So if you made it this far, you clearly got through the episode, and I just want to apologize again, you guys. I'm so, so sorry for the lag and my mic being so dim. I don't know what happened, but I just want to hop on and say that this is going to be my last episode this year in 2020. I will start recording again very soon, and we will start getting those episodes back up every Wednesday starting February 2021. That is my goal, and of course, I'll keep you guys updated on Instagram and everything like that. Last thing I want to say before I close this episode is DM me if you are above the age of 18 and you want to transform your life. I am coming up with the most amazing programs and it is launching very soon after this episode. So stay tuned on my Instagram and everything, but DM me, talk to me, let's chat. I'd love to get to know you and your health goals and see how we can work together to get you to reach those goals in the new year. Because I know all of these New Year's resolutions are popping up and people are starting to get ideas and stuff and I want to help you tackle it. So thank you so much for pretty much doing all of these episodes with me and sticking through me. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I like literally can't even talk right now because I'm just so happy with how the success of this show has gone in its first year and I cannot wait to start recording more interviews and more episodes for you guys in 2021. And I hope you all have a happy and healthy holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Um, I hope you guys have a very fun and healthy, stay safe time with your family if possible. Thanks you guys. I'll talk to you in the new year.